you found it. It's the Low Life Podcast. Good job. Uh, my name is Coin Ops McGillicuddy, and I don't know a whole hell of a lot about what we're talking today. Right, Scum? Yes, I am returned, sl- rested, kind of, with fresh blood. And uh, with us is Zero. Returned, returned. Scumshine, you are my scumshine. Uh, and welcome, <laughs> gentle listener, to the Low Life Podcast. Yep. Where we do low life podcast things. Intro music. Uh, for today's installment, what what did we have? What are we pulling out? Uh, we were talking about to carry on my fascination with like crime and politics and upheaval and crime and depravity and crime is the Weimar Republic, and most importantly, the bits they don't really talk about, like all the revolutions and shit. And uh, we're gonna get to the sexy shit later, but right now we're gonna do like a kind of an intro to. So how did we get here? And uh, and since, since CoinOps and I really don't know a whole lot about the subject, I decided to uh, invite a guest for this week, a good friend of mine, uh, the opera geist himself, Eric Teague. First thing I can tell hey, you about everybody. Eric is uh, uh, he's here, he's listening, and I just stepped on his intro. Why don't you say hello, Eric? <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's it's good to, good to say things for you and your listening pleasure out there. Woo! Uh, and uh, what I have to say about Eric, he's an actual mad hatter. He studied hat making uh, on a graduate level. And to be fair, working as long as you have in theater and the arts, you must admit that there's a little madness in there. Mm. Yeah, uh, he and I have been friends since, what, like 2010, something like that? Yeah, yeah something like that. All right, we met at a sideshow downtown. Um, I went to his wedding. He was a groomsman at my wedding. Uh, he is a Helen Hayes award-winning costume designer. He's worked in theater, film, and TV. Um, he's done work for Kennedy Center, for Washington Opera, and for the Glimmer Glass Opera Festival in New York, uh, as well as other theaters around the country. He and his wife, Ray, are a costume production team that does all manner of custom work for conventions, for cosplay, burlesque, Burning Man, Wasteland Weekend, all types of festivals. I've had a lot of custom work done by him myself. He's taught me a great deal as well. He's an excellent mentor. Uh, if you can dream it, he can make it real. Uh, lastly, I'll say as an early plug, he also hosts a show on the Atlanta Opera podcast called Come As You Are, where he chats with LGBTQ artists in the opera and theater community. And listeners can find that where, Eric? Uh, you can find it wherever you get all of your podcast needs met. So 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, all of that good stuff. All right. Wow. We're really classing up this joint. Yeah, hey, seriously. You know, I like to bring a little little extra veneer to things. Yeah, I was so excited when like uh, Zero uh, was talking about you because I'm like, oh, thank God somebody knows more about this than I do. <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see how much. I'm excited to see your research. Um, but Zero <laughs> and I are brothers in aesthetics and uh, really great friends. So I'm... I'm absolutely chuffed to be a guest on your show. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's the yeah. first uh, use of the word chuffed, I think. Uh, maybe. Hey, there you go. Maybe. Yeah. This is so, where we need the air horn on the soundboard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chuffed. Someday. If you give to the Patreon just hard enough, we'll get a soundboard. We can afford a soundboard. So, every, so why are we talking about this in a cyberpunk podcast? Well, like I always like my Gangs of New York series. I think there's like a lot of inspiration for create for writers and, and creators from history for the genre of cyberpunk. Like this is a society that birthed Metropolis, like uh, Weimar Germany. Uh, listen to Shadowlink's wonderful episode about that. And we're going to be talking about the Weimar Republic, which is Germany from 1918 to 1933. So it's going to be sex, drugs, dancing, uh, violence, more drugs, more sex. And uh, probably the coolest doctor uh, queer folks ever had. Oh, yeah. But, but we're not talking about that this episode. Right now, there is the war. Uh, my two sources for the next however many episodes this is going to go to are uh, kind of like two sides of the same coin. One is the very academic, which is Weimar culture, the outsider as insider by Peter Gay, uh, a man who is not happy or gay. Uh, I actually really don't like that book, but it's informative. Well, it's if, really this, if, the, if this were last episode. His name would be uh, what? Uh, Peter homosexual. Yes. Because <laughs> they, 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 he's not uh, any of those things. He's actually kind of a drag, but it's an asterisk, actor. asterisk, asterisk. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the, my other source is the very tabloid book, the Vol- uh, voluptuous panic by Mel Gordon. The expanded yeah. edition. It is a gigantic coffee, coffee table, book size volume of just the perver of perversity. It's wonderful. I'm going to ask you, is it a Toshin book? Was that? I don't even know what that is. No, but it should be. Like it, it has a lot of really great visual input in there. Uh, they're oh, they're yeah. a German publisher yeah, yeah, yeah. that does coffee table books about amazing subjects. Yeah, Toshin. It mm. might as well. Yeah, it might as I'm well sure be. I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a, if that was like an inspiration for it. Like because it preserves a lot of stuff that would have been lost. Because that's the other thing we're talking about. Like an era that not like I'm only tr- going to try and talk about Nazis like twice during this episode. Uh, so we're not really going <laughs> to talk about them too much. But this is definitely like the parts of history they really tried to erase. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing I'll say about what I, why I was drawn to having this as a subject on the show. Uh, being someone who was both educated in the American system and later became an educator in the American system, this is totally glossed over, and it's so important. Yeah. And they don't say a goddamn no. thing about it. Yeah, because our history is all America American centric, and we came out fine. <laughs> well, you hear us tell it, we want them all. We want every yeah. fucking war ever. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, we, we did incredible. Nothing bad ever happened. Um, what's a genocide anyway. So I'm not going to even trying to explain what the fuck world war one is. Uh, it involved nations that no longer even exist. Everyone yeah, for, sucked. The Armenian genocide happened during it, which it was a family fu- spat between a bunch of cousins. It really it, was. It, it might as well have been. It really it was. was. Tons of ridiculous uniforms and posturing and uh, nation state crowing 
that led to a whole bunch of rich people continuing to be rich and a bunch of poor people with utterly destroyed lives. Yep. There were, what do they call those shoulder things? Epaulets? Epaulets. Epaulets. Yeah. There were a lot of those. A lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> Big enough. A lot of those. A lot of those. Like uh, not aerodynamic the, hats. The Kaiser and, uh, and, and, and the queen were, were cousins. Oh, they were. Yeah. yeah. All these fuckers like are having a global spat. It's kind of gross. The Habsburgs all gotta be. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's a Habsburg who's like still fucking alive and he's like the last Habsburg and he's like a total like, Weeb. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. I think he's on Instagram. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's an asshole. <laughs> he probably has some legitimate complaints about like just always being contacted by Alex Jones. Yeah, <laughs> I need you to confirm some things, man. Yeah, uh, yeah man, they're still around. They're still. Around. I, I went to high school with a with a with a descendant of the Bourbon line. Mm. Well, when I went to high school in Spain for a couple of years. That's absolutely crazy. That's weird. Yeah. Cristina shit. de Bourbon. I've got her in my yearbook somewhere. Wow. Wow. That- Okay, my brain yes. took a fart. All right, so yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to explain this incested giant family spat, but like, the point just is, it's know, still very real. It's very real today. Yes. Oh yeah, uh, like the Armenian genocide happened during World War One. That's 1.5 million people who died. Uh, the war the the war itself killed 20 million and maimed another 21 million. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. Yeah, and I yeah always like, say that every time we bring it up. I'm just like that is. And I'm including war. not just the fu- from the fighting itself. I'm also including numbers from like famine, yeah, disease, just disease. puddles of yeah. water full of you know just fucking infection fuel. Yeah. That was the like, highest like moment of death in human in like human history. All until uh, surprise, surprise, World War II happened, which killed a a baffling 84 million people, mm. and that's including the fighting, the famine, and the disease, mm. and the genocide. Mm. <laughs> And, uh, oh. and, that, and and also, you could feel better knowing because record keeping was kind of shit. Um, those yeah. numbers are probably higher. So yeah, yeah no kidding. Have fun yeah. with that. We live in hell. Um, so entire nations were traumatized by this. Like even the nation who de- who decided to fight the entire fucking world. <laughs> who was Germany? Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany had the greatest mi- uh, greatest military on earth at the time, and this is not like contested. Like this That's is not fact. Even close. Yeah. yeah, like it's they were literally the great. They were an army with a country as a support apparatus, and that was that was it. Like mm-hmm. they were like the, the stereotype of like the mustachioed, steely-eyed, regimental, protocol-loving German Prussian. That was real. I mean, it was usually like upper class people. Apparently, like Berliners were like a lot like New Yorkers. Mm. Mm, yes, but yeah, like the upper it's class, fair. like you know, all protocol military dude. Like that was real. Like they really mm. were the greatest army on earth because. Uh, the entire country was the army support structure. And the tradition of Prussian militarism goes back to the 18th century. I mean, oh, uh, in the United States, oh. we, we benefited from some of that. Mm-hmm. With, I guess. Uh, training some of our troops. So that there's a revered uh, military tradition of that Prussian figure that you were talking about, that almost archetypal figure at this point. Yeah, it's a lot more ingrained in, in the culture and the society, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe you could help me with this, because like when I was reading about this stuff, it was like I felt it was like largely due to like Kai- not entirely this dude, but he's definitely in the running for like dumbest man in history, who was Kaiser Wilhelm II. 
Um, yeah. was, excuse me. Kaiser Wilhelm II, Emperor of Germany and King of Prussia, who loved the sight of, of marching soldiers in shiny boots. He did. Uh, he really liked to pretend he was a soldier, even though he never saw a day of combat or probably never even saw his own blood in a single moment in his fucking life. <laughs> He really uh, tried to be a man's man, even though he was very much of the the pampered aristocracy. He had um, a little hand. He did. He had a <laughs> he had a withered arm that uh, is often hidden in a lot of the portraiture and a lot of uh, the the paintings of him because you know he wanted to look uh, like the king of the world. Yeah. Did he I ever? Was kind of like did a he less, ever play? Like a- Less oh, no, successful sorry, Teddy Roosevelt kind of story. A little oh, bit. totally. He he learned how to uh, fire a shotgun with just his one hand, which was kind of impressive, but also That's impressive. You, you you're shooting at a target and uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of people around you to applaud, right. um, which is very Doesn't, different from. And it's a shotgun. Sound yeah. super safe. Yeah, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Germans. I don't know if you know this, but Germans really like to explode things, like a. Yeah. Uh, a General, even, even Christmas has a lot of fire in it, you know? Like, mm. there, there's a lot going on. I can feel that. I'm sorry. I mean, there's. I don't see anything wrong, necessarily, with, like, big explosions. It's just Fourth of July and the dogs, you know? It's like, it ain't great. <laughs> They're fun as hell. It's great. They are fun as hell. But, yeah, I mean, shooting guns New is Year's, fun as hell. But New like, Year's Eve in Germany is nuts. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Have to get earbuds for the dogs. Oh yeah, that's just wrap that's their head in a adventure. pillow. Uh, anywho, so yeah, like Otto von Bismarck, who was the Chancellor of Germany before the Kaiser came to power, uh, once told an aide, "Quote: uh, That young man wants war with Russia and would like to draw his sword straight away if he could." <laughs> True. Do I guess he can do that one-handed? <laughs> oh man, yes. Dude okay. wanted to fight the world. Yeah, he did, because as a monarch, you had to prove yourself. And in this particular time period, complete domination was the only way. And again, this guy's growing up on tales of like Napoleonic conquest of like, you know, Blucher and all this bullshit that happened 50, 100 years uh, before. So it's incredible, too, because like all of his fucking aides, not just like uh, not just Otto von Bismarck, uh, like all of his aides were like, holy shit, he's dumb. (laughs) What are we going to do? He has a little hand. He got incest. He's incested too much. What the fuck are we going to do? Yeah, funny thing that inbreeding doesn't make for the sharpest tools in the shed, huh? No, he had cool ass uniforms. Like he had some great hat, like the hat with like the big furry one with the skull right in the middle. Looks like it's like Warhammer 40K. Like you could tell the man like he's like, I want cool uniforms and like mission accomplished. But also. You're you're not a soldier. Hey, I'm going to give you a little window. Always been snappy dressers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give you a little window into what I do professionally. Good design can make you look smarter and more capable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is true. mm -hmm. I just, I'm, so. What what about sausage fingers? Like, if you just happen to be a newly minted king, are you going to start feeling like you need to march into France or like what? Like. What's what's Chucky gonna do? Is is where isn't, that, isn't just, that the diabetes? Wasn't that the diabetes? I I don't know. I just, I just remember that footage of him shortly after the Queen died, where he was just like, 
standing at the desk and there were things on the desk and he was just going eh, eh, and, and like pointing because he couldn't possibly be bothered to move the things himself. People had to run in and move them for him. And he, he's mm. yelling at Camilla about his pen not working. And he's like, mm. this blasted thing, Camilla. And I'm like, wow. Like, look, how are you still like, no, monarchy's cool, dude. How are you there? How are you still there? Like, this is. But it, it boggles my mind, especially when like reading about this era, which, like we said, is just all these fuckers like oh whatever. I mean, we did prancing, it with, like we we've done it. We do it with Kennedy. People are doing it with Musk. Like, oh it's no, just, I'm not saying we don't. Yeah. It, it, it's just that why are we? I don't know. Why do you have a king still? Go kill them. Like <laughs> why? why? Well, go yeah. chop their chop their heads off. Oh, dude, done. We have pair of scissors. Who, who was know? the prince that quit? He gets he gets a head start. Okay, <laughs> like at the end when we all yeah yeah either. yeah yeah no. cool. So by night oh man, a lot of a lot of Germans did serpentine correctly. Uh by nineteen eighteen, <laughs> with over two million German soldiers dead and seven hundred and sixty-three thousand civilians dead from disease and starvation due to uh food shortages and like trade blockades, no amount of quote honor or quote glory or quote manliness was going to push Germany to victory. No. <laughs> It's that, it's that, that that immovable force hitting the, uh, or wait, no, unstoppable force hitting the immovable object. Yeah, that's how. It yeah, is. you mean it, it's not just that he didn't want it hard enough. You mean? I mean that's. You mean? Yeah. Wishing don't make it real. Wow. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Like shit. <laughs> welcome to me, age twelve. I had read uh, this this account of a stormtrooper whose job was literally to uh, go over the top and raid uh, people's trenches. And he said that in the latter part of the war, when he ended up finding himself battling his way into an American trench and finding canned peaches in their stores, that he realized there's no way we can win this. They're coming in. <laughs> Seriously, they're coming in fresh and we've been eating like a sliver of a turnip that's been brined for two weeks uh, in a, in a, you know, like there's no way that we can fight this. So it's it's one of those like that that are really addictive. Like there's so many people, not enough people don't realize it's not, it's not tanks and troops that win wars. It's trucks and bread. Totally. And in this case, when you said stormtroopers and trench, I saw a TIE fighter. If, uh... <laughs> I know it's, it's the funny thing, and it's no small secret that there's some connectivity there. I mean, you use the visual cues of the biggest bads you know to make uh, your mm-hmm. science fiction more credible. Yep, mm-hmm. right. Oh, absolutely. and maybe don't I identify with their theme song so much, Alex Jones? You know, maybe. But when John Williams writes a banger, it's really hard. Oh, it's a banger. Oh, like motif is good. It's true. Mm-hmm. I've heard dubstep remixes of it that make yeah. me want to go and just walk around the neighborhood with a baseball bat. <laughs> it's not great. I ain't proud of it, but you know, it's either that or the portable amp in my electric kazoo. And I don't know which is worse. I, I think it's get... a Geneva convention violation. I think, I think we'll get some, uh, a little bit of that baseball bat carrying in the street on today's episode. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. It's coming. Yes, we will. Oh yeah. Foreshadowing. So before we get, we get into like the sexy stuff next episode, we have to talk about a lot of old men mm. <laughs> specifically. Good. Nice for a change. Yeah, right. <laughs> specifically, Ugh. the Social Democratic Party of Germany, mm. uh, which, which is the oldest Marxist inspired political party on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
maybe not on Earth. Maybe that's me over exaggerating, but it's definitely one of the oldest. It was founded in 1863, and they mm. still exist to this day as a major political party. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my by 1918, the party had spent all the war years fighting itself up between pro-war, anti-war arguments, and just splitting off between like left wing, right wing elements. I can't imagine what that must be like. Yeah, right. <laughs> no idea what that's like. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yes. no one. No, no idea. No studying, modern parallels. Studying this period is just a kind of like um, you give hysterical peals of laughter because you could look yeah. at a, a headline today and mm. see scapegoating of minorities and all manner mm-hmm. of things. Oh that my God. So we much. Did po- already as a human race. Oh, so man. much. So much anti Polish propaganda. And, <laughs> so, yes. so, so at this time in the government, the, the Kaiser is still the ruler, but they have a parliament and the socialists are. Yeah, they were allowed like parties and whatnot, and they had chancellors. And for especially for a lot of the for during the war years, uh, specifically, Germany was basically a military dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, his role was kind of regulated to like ritual and whatnot. But they did have like political parties, and they were supposed to have like a parliament. But basically, German high command was calling the shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conservatives backing the king, making sure that the war was going to go on. Oh yeah, no, everything's mm-hmm. fucked up. You had royalists, you had socialists, because, you know, Bolshevik revolutions, either, I can't remember if it just happened or it's going on, but like, oh, all it, this shit it is brand happened. new. It was 1917, and, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so all, all this shit is like, like, oh shit, they just killed, you could, you know, you could kill them. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not ordained by God. Field. The, the entire Russian revolution like... was a, a German psyop. You know, they, they let Lenin back into Russia so that they would have to fight on their eastern front anymore wait what what down lenin was in switzerland he was uh, exiled in switzerland and he couldn't get back into russia and shit was kicking off in russia and germany was like you know what we're gonna allow a secret train car to pass all the way into russia get this lenin back in there so that he will basically collapse their government yeah is it really him or is it like that paul mccartney thing I don't Fuck. know. History, history was so loud on that one. There's so <laughs> much. We- like, that's the thing. It's like, there's so much this weird shit, shit going on. Uh, we'll get, we'll talk a little bit on the stabbed in the back conspiracy theory, but it's like, it's like all this shit is just for, is like thought up by assholes who thought like, we could totally take control of the situation and yep. spoiler alert. They didn't. And mm. that's also a big part of the reason why, you know, the, the war went on for song because they had, no one talks about the, the war with Russia in world war one, Germany and Russia are slugging it out in the Eastern yeah. front again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, that, that was a big part of what they, why they thought that they did so well in the war. Cause they, they finished, they vanquished one foe on one side and they had to turn around and look at the Western front, which just wasn't moving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So well, yeah, it's, it's messy. It's messy. It's messy. The fact that they mm-hmm. got within 60 miles of Paris is a big deal. It's I incredible. Mean, mm-hmm. the, the Maginot line is what it is for, for reasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, the threat of a German invasion of Paris was such a huge thing at the time. So, I mean, that, that was the rallying cry that got other countries involved on that particular front, the U S yeah. specifically. And this well, is I mean, and they were, oh, it was ahead. like, well, yeah, France going up against them with like Napoleonic era cannon. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. it's just like mechanized advancing. They're laying down fucking railroad tracks for <laughs> a cannon that will shoot a Buick 40 miles. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing like that on the planet. It's insane. Well, that, well yeah, because people are dying in like new and fascinating ways. 
And like, oh, yeah, you, you got machine guns, you got mustard oh, yeah. gas, you have nerve gas, you have man portable automatic weapons, you have artillery pieces the size of city blocks, and you have yeah. tanks for the first time. Yeah. And, and, and you have people at top that think that this is just like, you know, not much different than the last set of wars we had. That's why they just they didn't understand what's going on. Dude, they, when well, America lead from the front. <laughs> yeah, I think when America entered the war, they thought it was going to be like the Civil War, if I remember correctly, because mm-hmm. that was their that was their only frame of reference. Well, they had the Spanish-American War between. To, oh that yeah, was still, still in their memory. But dude, every yeah. decade there's a war. Every decade there's an American war. We don't talk about them all because there's just so many of them. But every decade there's an American war. We're always uh, ready to go yeah. fight somebody. That is, in fact, the conflict uh, that led to the Marine uniform adopting the red blood stripe on the mm. out seam of their pants. Mm. Sorry, costume designer knowledge. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> gimme. <laughs> like, also, uh, if if we're talking about technology and new and decidedly gruesome ways to kill people, we've got planes. So now mm. you've got bombardment yeah. from literally all sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were and literally like your, never your, safe. Your bullet might not reach the plane. Like that, we didn't really have any, like anti aircraft shit wasn't quite popping yet. You know. Uh, Oh man! A bombardier pilot would literally take his ammunition, look over the side, and yep. go, "Good enough," and drop it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know that uh, fucker, that Gabriel D'Annunzio, that that fascist poet from uh, Italy. He was like actually a man of action himself. Like he he was one of the first people to actually do that. <laughs> like he's like sitting well, in the back, well, pilot's find a thing, and he's. Well, I think their first campaign was propaganda. They just threw fucking leaflets. They were like, surrender, we're yes. coming. And then after that, they were like, wait, what if we? it wasn't a leaflet? What if it was like a if bomb? If you could throw a leaflet, you could throw a bomb. Yeah, I, it exactly. Just, I like how it kind of went in that order. You know what I mean? Hey, I was throwing coins, and I guess I, you know, one of them landed, and it just went all the way through a kid, you know, like from the top of his head. <laughs> I have a particular I, fascination with the, the dawn of plastic surgery to deal with these horrible oh, yeah. injuries mm. that they, these people <laughs> suffered. And yeah. granted, the, some of the cures were as brutal as the injury, but it it started something that has done a lot of good in the world, which is one of the, the beauties and horrors of things. Well, I have to ask, Eric, uh, I'm sorry, Geist, uh, have you seen uh, The Nick? Oh, yeah, with, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. The yeah. great show. With the nose and the arm thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll never unsee that in my life. <laughs> hey man, uh, it, there's an excellent uh, exhibition at the National Museum of Medical History. Um, oh, cool! That is on the former site of Walter Reed. So go check that out. Okay, uh, if, all right. If you're really into some nightmare fuel. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, how many? You do that. Uh, you do that. Uh, um, Boardwalk Empire cosplay of the. Oh, I do. I do. Uh, Richard Harrow. Richard Harrow was a a character that I really connected with on that show because Hmm. he was a wounded veteran. And I am not a wounded veteran, but I was fascinated with um, he wears a a mask prosthetic that Hmm. was uh, it would have been a piece of tin fashioned Hmm. in his likeness from photographs and then usually secured on the face with a pair of spectacles to make it look a little more respectable and uh, often people would try to grow beards or mustaches to hide their, their wound. Mm, um, mm-hmm. so I, it's something that I've been very fascinated with artistically. Um, yeah. But yeah, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's the, the beginnings of this. It, it is fascinating. You know, it isn't just like uh, uh, turn a plunger upside down and then, Oh, you're a pirate. You know, like this, they got really elaborate. <laughs> totally. And, uh, 
I mean, there are even some older things, you know, just like wooden hands that they would kind of like tie on that didn't move, but they just looked like a hand, you know, just for the oh, yeah. symmetry of it. You so know? you've got uh, a whole generation of young men, you yes. know, like their lives were supposed to be ahead of them coming oh, yeah. back maimed in awful ways, both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And they come back to a country that's on the verge of collapse because it mm-hmm. has just funneled so much into this war effort and the civilians can only produce as much as they can do. So yeah. you come back and there's no job. There's yeah. probably not a lot of life to live. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, and the worst I part is the war never really like, never really came into Germany. Yeah. No, that's probably more of their minds. Like they, they, you know, for all that they, they thought they should have won. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we'll talk about that in a sec, but like, that's a really good, that's a really good start point for where we're going. So like, uh, it was, like I said, it's like, they come home, it, not, they're not coming home quite yet. It's 19 quite yet, but like things are sure. chaos in 1918 with millions of workers going on strike, uh, demanding better pay, the end of the war and a democratic change to the constitution. Also an eight hour workday, mm. which was revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, and minimum wage, right? Minimum wage too. That was another one. Yes. They wanted to like get paid a real wage so they could like maybe eat. Hmm. Uh, joining the leadership, I, mean, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything that could, I can't even put my mind to drawing a parallel between anything like that that we have any today. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, 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 yeah. I can't imagine you know making Sorry. a living wage. Go on. Don't mean to digress. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to try not to keep doing that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Everything's perfect now. Why are we even talking about this? That's going to be the description for the episode. It's going to be like, <laughs> so we're going to talk about an era in history that has absolutely no parallels to today. Nothing. So joining the leadership of this million person strike is boy, I'm glad you're here to help me with pronunci- pronunciation. Uh, Philip Shedman, Frederick Ebert and Otto Braun. Yeah, good enough. Uh, w- thank you. Uh, we won't talk too much about Otto Braun. He, uh, he, sh- he doesn't show up too, uh, too much in the story. He was he has a- the coolest name. He does have a cool name. He he was a Prussian social democrat, a democrat, democrat. Uh, <laughs> he was a social democrat and did much to uh, demonstrate to help democratize Prussia and uh, oust the monarchy mm. uh, from office. He went into exile when the uh, Nazis took power, and he died in obscurity in 1955. Bummer. Yeah. It, so he did get to hear some rock and roll. A little Just bit, a little. yeah. Just a little. Yeah, yeah. Just a little I bit. A, a little. No, a little I bit. he's a cool. For such a cool dude, it's like there's very little about him, which kind of sucks. But anyway, Philip Shetherman uh, was a charismatic and likable speaker of the SPD. The SPD is the Social Democrat Party. Uh, unlike Frederick Ebert, who was an over-serious walrus mustache owner with a face like a fucking brick house, uh, as, as America also, we need to talk about, okay, as Americans, when we hear the word socialism, we get really excited because we are so like starved for like anything that helps anybody like policy. So try and curb those expectations a little bit because a lot of these, like all these people are bastards. <laughs> uh, but so like, so this isn't like socialist, like Soviet. We'll get to them in a second, but like just curb your expectations when you hear socialism, because yes, we need some socialism right now. But back then, like these, these guys are assholes. Uh, so the Russian revolution just happened. Uh, it was pretty cool. They killed the czar. Uh, good stuff. You know, they're not ordained by God or anything. You could just shoot them. Uh, 
And it scared the shit out of the powers that be. I cannot emphasize that enough, how yeah. much this scared people. All across Europe. All across and America. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, even to the SPD, they were like, holy shit. Uh, even though they, like, supported the workers, they were against formal unions. Ebert was definitely not for them and was very against uh, Bolshevism. Uh, Bolshevism is like the Soviet uh, socialist, like, communist model. Uh, Shadamin even believed that Bolshevism was a greater threat than the external enemy and that uh, it, it needed to move, it, the country needed to move to peace to fight it, uh, despite mixed responses. Hmm. So soldiers, workers, pretty much the entire country was used up by 1918. Like everything was run dry. People were starving in the streets. And there's nothing, there's like nothing, there's nothing. People are just, but like we were talking about, like people were wrung out. And uh, after the after the spell, uh, blah, history, after the Feldspring offensive, it became obvious that most of the war was basically unwinnable. Like you were saying, uh, like when he found fucking peaches in someone's trench, yeah. the, the powers that be had to actually have a big mo- war moment yeah. like that. They, they couldn't break through defenses uh, unless you were really caught up in propaganda. It was just it was unless you were like brainwashed by propaganda. It was really obvious that like you're not fucking winning this. and and that's the really frustrating thing about it for them it's like you know it's not like they they didn't fight well it's not like they didn't have a good strategy they were fighting okay they were holding their own but at this you point know. The, the german imperial army is made up of this most scariest motherfuckers you have ever seen mm-hmm. because <laughs> they are uh, they lived because mm-hmm. i can't have like you were saying too guys eric i'm just gonna call you eric sure um, no worries <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you have Stocks. two nicknames that keep Stocks. going between it we lost. Oh, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my my clever sure. my clever disguise. Oh, no. I'm a mask. No! How <laughs> dare! So, yeah, the German army just... <laughs> oh, man. So, like, it was just made of, like, the scariest motherfuckers because they, they lived. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they're all children. They're all teenagers. I can't have, like... Okay, you know this war- matters because, like, we're talking about no man's land. We're okay, talking about like generations we're, of kids. Yes. But we're, yeah, but we're talking about this region they survived, this this buffer between like fronts where it was just trenches and mud and shit and unexploded ordnance and razor wire and <laughs> bodies Body, and disease yeah. and just you fucking what? Yeah, so like here's here's a good example of like what it was like, okay? You gotta you're if you want to like repli- replicate this, just dig a hole with your buddy, climb into it, get some mud going, you know, get some water in there, then piss in it. Mm-hmm. You just sit in that. Occasionally your neighbors are going to shoot at you. Yeah. And if you get out, your senior officer, who's your grandma, is just going to shoot you in the fucking head. And yeah. throw a dead cat at you because yes. <laughs> there are dead horses everywhere and bits and pieces of humans that are slowly turning to mud. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the best film depiction i've seen of this is the most recent adaptation of all quiet on the western front Mm. it's it's Mm. brutal and it is i have to say it's the most accurate depiction i could think of Um, is that the the one that just dropped it is yeah yeah yeah. okay okay yeah i've been stealing myself for that i i I imagine it's either going to be hard to be a god or that that is going to complete my bad day trilogy where it's uh (laughs) You you open with the painted bird, and then you follow that up with come and see, and then 
Wow. You know, I'm, I'm still just, looking for a third. Man, you know, you're going you to throw night and fog in there just to feel real good about yourself? Yeah, really oh, traumatize man. yourself, man. Just yeah. knock off humanity. I literally repressed, I've repressed the fact that I used to own the criterion of that. Oof, yeah. Until this moment. Yeah, there's... I don't do it. I don't enjoy it. It's not like one of those things where I seek these films out because I'm like, this will be a good time. It's like they're good to know. You have to know them. Like I want to see cinema. Feels like a historical imperative to to sit with those things because they're not they're not art pieces anymore. Um, At least in the case of some of an actual footage film like Night and Fog, that's that is cold history at its bleakest. Or um, Battle of Algiers. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, there's a yeah. there's a series on Netflix right now called Five Came Back, and it's the five mm. major film directors that served during the war, and oh, okay. it's it's the the footage that they shot during their uh, their service, and oh. it's brutal. It's hard to watch, but it's it Jeez. gives you a very uh, intimate portrait of what people survived. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that's important. I, I, you know, I, I don't think you can get desensitized to something like that because it's, I mean, it's, it's documented. It's not a, it's not a, it's, it's not like the, the dude, the, the, the Nazi getting head booped by the landmine in the Sisu trailer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, where he's just like bonk marinara. It's usually still. And yeah. these moving things are no longer moving and you have to, you know, come to terms with your mortality when you see these things. Uh, yeah, you always had that weird friend that would like seek it out because they were like they had all the volumes of Faces of Death and that's all they watched. But mm. then there's like most people, you know, and then you have like your two or three historian friends who are just like, yo, this is fucked up, you know, and they show <laughs> you the book. I mean, that is kind of like the two people who left this war, right? Especially when pertaining to Germany I, is either you were the author of All Quiet on the Western Front or like the artist Otto Dix, who were literally like, what the fuck? What what was this for? Or you had, you know, a little guy called Adolf who fucked rats in the trench and drank mm-hmm. trench water. Um, who was literally like, "This, I love this shit. <laughs> Let's do the you know, like we lost. Why did we lose?" Yeah. So it's like there's definitely like the two types of dude. He went on to yeah. be a painter, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't claim him. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only uh, time I shall mention. No, that that's fair. That it, there's some difference in the psyche going in and coming out, depending on the kind of person you are in the first place. I think that's that's very fair. Oh yeah, but we're going to talk about on why some people survive. We're going to talk about some of the fucks who like joined, uh, who like definitely like missing the military. So, mm-hmm. but at this point of 1918, unless you were like really swallowing the propaganda, you know the shit was fucked, and you knew mm-hmm. the shit was fucked, like the Imperial Navy Command, because mm-hmm. okay, so there's that you're in the city of Kiel. Right. The war is essentially over. Just the fall, like nothing's been signed yet, but everyone's like, yeah, this shit's not lasting. Mm. So unless you're Imperial Navy command, high command in the city of Kiel, two dipshit admirals under their own initiative wanted to uh, mobilize the Imperial fleet for one final glorious battle against the British Navy in the North Sea. Mm. How drunk were they when they came up with this plan? This This (laughs) triggered... To the surprise of no one, this triggered a mutiny. <laughs> uh, word spread, it turned into a full-scale socialist revolt. It's always the navies. I don't, what is with this, po- every time we talk about sailors on this podcast, they're doing something dope. 
like yeah. literally every time. <laughs> something um, totally based, yeah, something totally based. They're pretty I don't know about every time. Maybe not every time, okay, but every time we th- we talk about, it, I just still think about that picture. Remember the episode where that dude like hijacked a an, 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 uh, naval armory? Oh like, no, that, armory. Yeah. that was incredible. That guy was. Yeah, awesome. I love that guy. He, no, he, he did Indian dude. Yeah, he did it twice within like <laughs> within like eight months. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So this, this is like the turnaround on this was incredible. Let, we yeah. need to note this. Oh yeah, no, this is in the same spirit as that. Like, so thousands joined, thousands answered the call because a lot of these guys got like immediately got arrested, and thousands of them answered the call to go rescue them. <laughs> uh, seven were killed and twenty nine were injured uh, when the military opened fire into the crowd, as mm-hmm. they often do, like in Columbus mm-hmm. recently. No parallels at all. No parallels. Anyway, mm, uh, this only imagine. helps spread the mutiny like. to other barracks. Uh, the prisoners were eventually freed after they just like, okay, we're not. Win-. The military was like, yeah, we're not winning this. Uh, and soldiers, sailors, and workers took over military and public installations, which is how you see the means of production in the city of Kiel. In the city of Kiel, yeah. Eventually, it spread into like other cities. This became this immediately became a problem. <laughs> uh, representative from the SPD was dispatched and this is the thing it's like people when this dude showed up people really cheered him and welcomed him into like this thing because again people liked this party they at the SPD was and I guess still is a popular political party like you know they because they, the, the whole social, social democratic party of Germany yeah yeah Got like it. you know they're socialists they they they're trying to reform shit to an extent you know, but honestly, this dude was actually sent in to uh, bring the uprising under control. He was literally sent there to stop it. Yeah. Uh, he did eventually calm the mutiny, but it did nothing to prevent the spread of revolution to the entire empire. Uh, thanks no, to the no sailors. Dude. Let me drop that down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thanks to, sp- thanks to uh, these sailors, they sp- it spread to every major city. They successfully took over every major uh, port in the city, every to every uh, where the revolution spread, it successfully took over the port. Okay, uh, so this is where I would like to stitch in uh, in the navy by the village people, uh, but we can't afford it. So just remember that. And this is this is super scary for the aristocracy and for the government because oh they, my god, yes, the people in the government know that they just saw a communist revolution, a socialist revolution next door in Russia. And it didn't turn out well for their aristocracy. So everybody's yeah. scheduled. Yeah, and Ebert, you know, uh, walrus mustache owner, um, doesn't want, like, again, just because he's socialist, like, he doesn't want this. Like, he's the one who, he's worked with royalists. He will, conti- he will continue to work with royalists, even, we'll get to why they're still, like, royalists in the government, they're, even after 1919. They're a centrist like, socialist party that, that has are. to get things done. That has to get things done. Yeah. Note mm-hmm. on centrist here. That's really the important part. Uh, they are mm-hmm. a centrist party. They're mm-hmm. not too, you know, again, no, no parallels to current situation and oh. centrist and whatnot. So anyway, in Munich, uh, quote, workers and soldiers council for, uh, formed and forced the last king of Bavaria, Ludwig III, to issue uh, the ANF declaration, which freed all civil servants and military personnel. Uh, from their oaths of loyalty to him, he was deposed the same same day, ending a seven hundred and thirty eight year rule of the House of Wittelbach in Bavaria. So you're Wittelbach. saying you're saying it's possible? Yeah. Uh, so and then what? Bavaria just kind of 
became part of Germany? That I'm not too sure about. I actually don't. It sounds like I, they just kind of dissolved it into the rest. Pretzels. Tell me about the pretzels. Yeah, exactly. It was all pretzel based. <laughs> but it is possible. Like you can just do that. <laughs> like they were. It, it, it's funny. They just did it at gunpoint. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. Then they just, yeah, they. I think they did actually fold into Germany proper. You mean asking nicely and and being civil doesn't do anything? Surprisingly, (laughs) not. Weird. Weird. Mm -hmm. So, so the SPD they did not like this uh, development at all. Specifically, Ebert. Uh, Social revolution did not fit into his plans for a parliamentary government run by the middle class and old elites. Uh, Ebert was in, uh, intended to um, preserving uh, the monarchy, but wanted to calm the revolt by by having Wilhelm II to abdicate the throne. Uh, just as like a symbolic thing, but basically it would just mean that, like, just give up the throne, dude. No one likes you. Mm. Uh, he refused, of course, uh, and immediately fled to his HQ in Spa, thinking he can march in later with an army, it, literally being at the head of an army and crush the revolt by force. So wait, mm-hmm. he retreats to Belgium? that's god that's the thing that i always hear too about this period whenever whenever anybody talks about this as soon as shit got bad dude fucking left yeah i mean there's something to be said for that that's 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 sensible and again the the czars in russia ended up in a cellar so i guess i can i get that well the people were not particularly pleased about being abandoned by the the kaiser um in a I, uh, I visited Charlottenburg Palace in September um, on a really cool trip with my wife, and they had this huge exhibit on the Habsburg dynasty, naturally, as you'd imagine. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's this enormous painted portrait of uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, and it has three saber slashes through his face. Oh, nice. And- the conservators of the museum thought that it would be disingenuous to repair that in an, um, in an invisible way. So when mm-hmm. you go to visit, you will see this gorgeous portrait in the 19th century style with these brutal saber slashes over his face. Wicked. I'm going to Google that. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> That's gnarly. I'll send you all again, the pictures. Like- you know, we're saying we're saying the Kaiser, but the the Kaiser, it, it's been from my reading, from my understanding, the Kaiser's more like a puppet at this point. It's like it's Hindenburg and Ludendorff and these other generals that are still yes. telling him everything he needs to be doing, yep. essentially. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, wait, is this is this what the Red Hot Chili Peppers were talking about? And keep, give it away. <laughs> got Got to keep, keep it like the Kaiser. Is this mm-hmm. that? I have been to kick it. Trying like to close this fucking door. For thirty years, <laughs> it's t- it's absolutely weird. not just that he needed a word that rhymed. I'm exhaling yeah. so deeply. But yeah, like it, like you said, it's like yeah, Germany was basically a military dictatorship, but it didn't mm. mean that the monarch didn't hold any type of power, symbol- especially symbolic power. Like, because mm. as far as anybody was concerned, he was he was it. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, what I think it was, uh, the monarch had appointed the chancellor, and the chancellor was issuing uh, executive orders. Yes. And visually, again and again. <laughs> visually, the reason that the Pickelhaube is one of the associated symbols of Germany is because the Kaiser just liked the style. Yeah. You know, I mean, probably a helmet. helmet. <laughs> the medieval spiked helmet. Yeah. 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 
which um, there's there's some theory that it's actually a stolen bastardization of a Persian helmet and uh, an Ottoman helmet smooshed up together and then given the the good old Deutsche style treatment. Mm. And I got to say see. style over function. That's pretty cyberpunk. Hey, man, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did they ever like yeah. use the spikes or anything? I, no, they, like head. They didn't run head first at each other. No, and I can tell you because the helmet is weighted with all of its brass so high on the head that without the chin strap on, it's just going to fall off your head. Like oh, it looks really great in parade formation, and <laughs> yeah. it goes back to all that nationalism and posturing that yeah. we were talking about up top. But it it's not a practical helmet. That's why they oh. shifted to the Stalin helm midway through the war because their guys kept getting their heads blown off. Yeah. <laughs> they also, I mean, you can't just be like looking around real quick either. It's it's well mm-hmm. when, when it's strapped on your head you can still look around. But uh they're also real shiny brass. So mm. what do you not want on a battlefield? So they started <laughs> issuing canvas covers for your shiny helmet instead of yeah. giving you a functional helmet. I've actually seen this in the museum. It's it's ridiculous. Amazing. They started screwing flares into the top to distract you from the bronze. You know, that would have been even better. (laughs) Amazing. Well, this is the same thing about like France having like, you know, Napoleon era plumed helmets. Mm. Just charging into machine gun fire. Yeah, totally. And now what is it? It's just we're covered in like black socks, basically. Like everybody just looks like a sock with like eyes now. That's the most tactical you can go. Yeah. I mean, when you got to like gas masks, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like these days. You watch any fucking, you know, he's a secret spy agent thing. And he's just like covered in, you know, Rob Liefeld pouches and completely black. Like just yeah. matte black. It's a black yeah, sock, just... pouches, and like uh, uh, baseball gear or something. <laughs> like yeah, and a completely <laughs> silenced pistol. Yes. Which is a real thing that exists. Anyway. Um, Absolutely. So anyway. Yeah. When he'll, well, Wilhelm II thought he could just march in and crush the revolt by force because his army totally wasn't like jerking off in, in a trench in France. Mm. <laughs> like there was totally an army totally ready to do that. I kind of think about that, how much he actually thought what was happening or where his people were. I don't think he knew <laughs> at all. That's was it like risk? Totally was, like just playing risk? I think to him it was. Yeah. <laughs> he just totally, said he had like a bunch just... of those push things on a table with a map on it. <laughs> I mean, probably. Oh, man. I mean, to him, it might as well have been. Sounds oddly similar to, oh, no, they won't hurt me. I'll just walk down to the Capitol with them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, (sighs) God, this fucking quote. So, to avoid a, quote, dictatorship of the worker, Mm. Frederick Ebert demanded Mm. the chancellorship himself. Mm. That's almost as bad as (laughs) those acronyms I hate. That's how people, that's how these fuckers viewed Bolshevism, like straight up communism. They thought it was like the worker, like establishing a dictatorship over everybody else. That's marketing. I hate that. Yeah, it's really bad. So Frederick Ebert demanded the chancellorship himself with uh, the people, uh, but but to the people it wasn't enough. Uh, They wanted a total end to the monarchy. Uh, fearing, Fearing for his life, the Kaiser would fuck off further to the Netherlands in exile. Uh, the announce the announcement of the abdication, 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 abdication. What they said uh, came <laughs> too late. Came too late, however, with even more people pouring into Berlin to revolt, demanding an end to the war and an end to the monarchy. Uh, the and country, this is like people from the countryside, like not 
Yes, not people like that everyone. ordinarily be in, in, in towns yeah. and just coming into the cities. No, we just go say, into hey, the big city where the rich people where the rich people live and just fuck it up. Yeah, because all our sons are dead. Yeah, I'm just sitting here like I'm going to be 50 in two years. And again, the mm. aristocracy terrified of a Bolshevik type revolt that could lead them all, you know, yes. up against the wall. Yeah. So the country is literally tearing itself apart. Uh, oh, also, I thought of the I saw I thought of this too. Okay, imagine this. All right, you just spent some quality time with Otto behind the latrine where the commandant is looking. You just caught a rat that you could roast. There's like Frenchmen burning in an open by an open fire, and you're like, "Wow, I hope Girth is okay back home." And Girth is like has a red flag, and like you know, the only thing we could lose is our chains. <laughs> I wonder how much these dudes thought knew what the fuck was going on back home. Well, there's, like, there's a great passage you know. in All Quiet on the Western Front about uh, he has to he has to go home for for some reason that is nebulous in my mind. But people are are treating uh, Paul, the protagonist, like uh, he's just off on parade and nothing's wrong. In when the whole world is still collapsing, even though he's in the civilian side of things. Yeah, and I think he br- he brings some food back from the front to feed his family because they're starving too. Yeah, that's right. I remember he uses reading that his rations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, granted, it's it's a fictionalized account, but it's it's really it, it's really close to what's going on. A lot of it was his own experience. <laughs> yeah, too, I think. Yeah. So, like, it's I can't emphasize enough how much people were starving to death. Yes, <laughs> from from like a uh, blah food blockades and uh, whatnot, which happens still today and America does it to other countries and people starve to death. So yeah. food blockades and, and no one being there to make to food to till the soil. Everyone's dead or at the front. In the next episode, how women stepped up as they often do yep. uh, in these situations when they were actually allowed to do things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so th- what was I? Notes in handwriting and no sleep when I wrote them. And also I'm hot and sweating. How are you? How are you guys doing? So eating. Hanging in there. Th- thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hanging in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Doing it. Mm-hmm. History. Uh, so the country is literally tearing itself apart. And uh, Philip Shetherman is calmly eating lunch in the Reichstag building. Dining room. Uh, Convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So there's like a giant fuck off crowd calling for your fucking head. And they're just yeah, calmly eating. Reichstag's are Congress. They're yes. House Congress. Yes. And it has a uh, diner? It has a diner. It has a literal Congress lunch has, in the dining room. So what would he be eating? Let's see. Uh, is, he, is he eating good or is it is it fucked there too? Is it a Wurstplatte mit Käse und Gurkensalat? I'm probably not. Eating. All right. Probably. That was pretty hot, not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Currywurst. Danke sehr. <laughs> I haven't had lunch yet, boys. Come on. Yeah, seriously. So he's calmly eating lunch, and Ebert is eating literally straight across from him. Quote, mm. and, and, quote, between soup and dessert, Scheidemann gets up, walks over to the balcony, and to a crowd of protesters proclaims Germany as a, quote, republic. Mm. Literally as a socialist republic. And this is to everyone. Just like in between courses? Yeah, just between courses, you just got up and proclaimed this to everyone. Like, there's no vote, there's nothing. Like, nobody knows what's going on. He's wrong. So, clearly. I mean, yeah. he's a German. He, like, takes a... Yeah. He's taking a bite of Jello, and it just Again, occurs and, to him to stand up and do this. Yeah. 
And anytime we talk about history at this far back, assume that everyone is operating mildly drunk most of the time. They all smell bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but nobody noticed because everybody did and you get nose blind. But like, yeah, they didn't, so they didn't wash their stuff. It was, this, here's the reasoning behind this. Uh, it was widely known to the public uh, that Curl, uh, it was widely known to the public, but Curl Levnich, uh, leader of the Sparsist League, it was like a Soviet style communist organization. Everyone knew that he was going to proclaim this, the exact same thing that day for very different reasons. <laughs> uh, Scheidemann simply wanted to be seen to do it first for his brand of social democracy. Right. Uh, Ebert was not pleased by this. Uh, while banging his fists on the table, Ebert reportedly said, quote, you have no right to pro- proclaim the Republic. What becomes of Germany or a public or any other form is for the con- con- uh, cons- constituent assembly to decide. <laughs> Ebert wanted to calm revolutionary energy not excited. Uh, I got the sense it was whether it was monarchy or republic, Ebert would have gone along that way. Uh, a lot if of things had... could be. Uh, a lot of things that are going to happen in the future are going to can be laid at Ebert's feet for how like the destruction of the left and whatnot in in all of these things because this is he he's definitely a man who wanted to be in power and also strongly believed in what he believed in. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's an interesting man. We could have done like an entire episode. There's a lot of characters in this story that we could just make entire episodes of because this is like so much information. Uh, so basically, he just wanted to take the thunder out of the communists before they could declare Germany a democratic a, a democratic republic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty okay. much. Yeah, Leibschnick, uh, Leibschnick, uh further confused the matter. Uh, by proclaiming the Germany, quote, the Free Socialist Republic of Germany. Uh, nobody knew what the fuck w- was going on at this point. <laughs> they're just they're just making up combinations of words. Come on. Yeah, yeah I mean, we are just <laughs> trying on different names. We want to see what sticks. We just have a few things that we'd like to string together that uh, <laughs> may or may not mean anything. You know, I just give it a try. I do like a moment, uh, a, a bit from the... Uh, uh, the book Weimar Culture that literally uh, said that the uh, Republic came into uh, came into re- uh, it was birthed by mistake and covered with apologies. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's, like. good. that's good. And, Over uh, lunch. Yeah, they, they just kind of like just went with it. <clears throat> it. Like nobody knew what was going on. So a revolutionary council of workers and labor leaders was from both parties were formed. So this is the socialist and the straight up communist Soviets. Uh, creating a dual rulership between Ebert and the council. Uh, Ebert had secret backing from the army in Belgium to march into Berlin to restore, quote, order. But for now, they had to end one war before they could start fucking another. <laughs> yep. November 11th, 1918. At 5.45 a.m. in France, the armistice is signed, ending World War One effectively. Uh... Nobody talks about how the armistice was signed by a revolutionary government who uh, ousted its monarch and created a workers' council that almost replaced e- that almost replaced Ebert, who yeah, was essentially I mean, the chancellor, who was essentially that's president. what happened. <laughs> no source, even the ones I used to uh, to understand the culture of Weimar, tried to understand how a revolutionary Germany may have shaped its nature or what was to follow. Like this is 
this is uh, something no one talks about. It doesn't like unless I'm probably unless I just didn't find the books that were specifically about this subject. And there's a lot here. No well, one talks about this. Nobody Whoa. wanted. Nobody wanted to surrender. None of them wanted to do it. Hindenburg, the generals, they didn't want to surrender. No, it was done literally at gunpoint, where by a revolutionary government. That's how the armistice was signed. Really, they didn't just hang out. They weren't just like cool. I mean, technically, they were a socialist government at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. who accepted a Bolshevik organization? So there was literally dual rulership between workers, soldiers, and communists with a centrist social democratic government. It was a revolutionary government. None of these things were voted on. And it really terrified the conservatives and, and the wealthy industrialists. Yes. But and that, it's something that, that hadn't existed in this country prior. Yeah, thank you for actually mentioning that. Like that was the other thing I forgot to mention. Um there is no history of democracy in Germany before like Things are like, we're not at democracy yet. Things are pretty wavy right now. But when we get to like the future, like the 1920s, like this is a Germany that has no idea what the fuck democracy is like. Yeah. And even though they have rep- representatives and things in the Reichstag, it's really much more like a, like a Roman oh, Senate. Yeah, you're, not, kinda... you're not voting for these fucks. Like exactly. they're like, appointed, yeah. like <clears throat> yeah, they're appointed someone... positions. Yes. They're like someone's royal cousin and shit. Like, yeah, that was the other things. Like, all these people were Mag- not Magna elected. Carta kind of represent, quote unquote, representation. Yeah, yeah. So when, when they were saying voting, they're not talking about, like, the people voting. They're talking about the council voting, you know, about these things. They're not even representatives of the people. They've all been appointed to those positions. So, so uh, how long before they, they surrender and, and decide, wait a second, we need to write a constitution or something? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, right now, like everything's so much in turmoil. So basically, it's like, I guess this is a good time. I didn't really take too many notes about this because if I did, it would have been like 20 pages long- longer than it had to be. But now that the war is over, Germany is retreating. It has a very organized retreat, which surprises a lot of people. And this is largely due to the stab in the back myth, mm. which is going to have problems later down the line. I so, can't imagine how something called that would. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Basically, this kind of gives you an idea. This is literally an old-time conspiracy theory. It, it became, we're not in 1919 yet, so we're going to move a, like a little bit ahead. But essentially, Stabbed in the Back was a conspiracy theory created by Germany's high command. It was the two generals whose names fail me at this moment. Hindenburg and Ludendorff. Thank you. There you go. Literally created by these two fucks with the idea that the people of Germany, specifically the Jews, and Bolsheviks, who are the one in the same thing in their minds, and socialists, and basically everyone, every basically everyone who isn't a soldier, we might as well outside say that. agitators and aliens. Yes, were the it's reason just what they they call globalists now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No similarities to no present parents. time at all. None. Um, they fa- they f- they basically said that they have failed you, like they've failed Germany, like because they're not working because you didn't work hard enough. If you worked hard enough and didn't like busy revolting and shit, and if your our weak leaders didn't sign this fucking armistice, Germany could have won the war. They're shifting blame. They just don't want to be held to blame for their terrible strategies that have yeah. been advising the Kaiser to do because to their you know, mistake exactly. after mistake. That's because to their bingo. mind, yeah. Because to their mind, it's like what was it like sixty miles away from Paris? You said it was like, correct. It, yeah, in their mind. They could, if we could have just pushed a little bit further, like if we could have just one more tank, to... bro. Yes. Yeah, one more tank, just one, just one, one more, more shell, bro. One more shell. <laughs> yeah, 
because to them like they were in like good positions they had ground like they to them it was like we could have totally fucking won this and maybe in some a weird alternate history maybe they could have pushed farther and actually gotten to france and i'm like into paris and i'm like okay you're in paris your country literally has starved to death there are no supplies coming you have all been reduced to bandits yeah exactly Uh, that that's basically what's going to happen that kind of happened in world war ii king of the bandits King, of, King yeah. of the Skeleton Army, you know. Yeah, nothing would have. They would have been. They actually would have been an army without a country. Essentially, like there was no, there was no way. But this conspiracy theory would affect things all the way into the future. Well, and the other thing too that's supporting this for the general public is that Germany did not have anything like a real free press. The average German did not no, know what was happening with the war. No, absolutely not. Everything so, was like every the the press played a played a really big role in like fucking with perceptions and whatnot we'll get to it in a Mm. bit during some uh, assassinations and whatnot but how they tried to swing things was always in honestly ebert's favor because he is chancellor (laughs) like again like all of this shit like free press democracy all of these things are very foreign to them yeah very new trying it out trying it out so christmas crisis of (laughs) christmas crisis of i said that way too happily for something (laughs) we're about to fucking talk about (laughs) the christmas crisis in 1918 guys Oh boy! Remember, remember the sailors we just talked about? Yeah, yeah, uh, they, they were cool ref- a minute ago. Yeah, the rock and st- kill. Oh, they never stopped being. They reformed. Okay. They reformed into the People's Navy Division, hmm. and was called okay. back to Berlin. Yeah, right. Isn't that dope? And call- was called back to Berlin on the sixth of December. Another revolution broke out with Soviet-style quote Red Guard seizing the government and uh, some factories. To relief of the previous council, a great deal of revolutionaries were uh, moderate liberals, and peace was quickly restored while dealing with the situation, and nothing really happened. Ebert was not pleased with this, and with troops coming home, he hoped they would take up arms to to fight the Red Menace. And and, and a part of this is after, after in the view of, of the communists, having successfully you know, supported the Russian revolution. They were expecting a tag back. Like, now you come, you help us with our revolution in Germany, right? And like the socialists were like, mm, actually, not so, not I so much. I actually have a joke. I actually have not a so much. joke that Lenin had. Uh, oh, please. If Germans tried to seize a train station, they would stand in line to buy tickets first. Yeah, that that's true. That, that, that bears now. <laughs> yeah. That's that Prussian drill, baby, you know? Yeah, they, yeah so they got like no support. Hey man, they like a rule. The rule will be respected if the rule is there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, this is like that joke is correct for this. So like, but in Ebert's case, he wanted the army to like just rush in and like fuck people up. Uh, This uh, the revolt really didn't mean anything. And soldiers were like, everyone just broke it, man. Like (laughs) soldiers were coming home. They were just broken from the from the war and they wanted to go home and and enjoy Christmas the Christmas season instead of like fighting shoot I'm, these guys, man, I don't have any fingers to even hold a rifle anymore. Right. That's uh, going back to Paul McCartney. He did a song called pipes of peace and the music video is set in that moment when they stopped fighting in the trenches they in, came and played soccer with each other. Or I mean, that was football. 1914. That was the early days of the war yes. because they all thought yeah. that we'd be home by Christmas. Yeah. And yeah, uh, there's in fact an opera written about that called Silent Night. It's it's a really oh. incredible modern opera. Um, hmm. 
just oh. going to drop that there. But uh, yeah, everybody thought that this was going to be just a little spat between nations and will be wrapped up real soon. And that's how the 1914 Christmas truce happened because nobody really wanted to be out there. Yeah. yeah. There was like a weird camaraderie between nations during the early points of the war, even when they're like machine gunning people and shit, there was like slightly less war crimes. I feel in the early point because people like they had a weird mutual respect for each other. Yeah. Your uh, cousins yeah. effectively. Yeah. That went away later, but yeah. in the early war people, they actually like liked each other. So anyway, this revolt didn't really mean much and the soldiers just wanted to fucking enjoy Christmas. Uh, the revolt really didn't happen. Uh, Karl Levnitsch, God, I hate that I can't pronounce his name because he's such a cool person. Uh, Karl Levnitsch, uh, he like he was not. Uh, what was it? Uh, he wasn't sitting on the on the on the revolt council. Uh, just giving the SPD more members. Like he literally just left, and the SPD just got more members. Uh, Ebert even had the uh, loyalty of the armor army under uh, monarchist generals. So and, he literally had them under like command of like dudes who were like really nostalgic for the Kaiser. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, when, when we say gaining members, that means the conservative parties are losing members. Yes. So and hopefully they're to to the socialist point, hopefully the communist parties are also losing members, becoming more centrist, becoming more, you know. Well, I mean, fold. Ebert then went ahead, he even had he had the loyalty of the army kind of reinforced by like monarchist generals, and they went ahead and formed the right wing Fry Corps. Uh, essentially, oh. it was a right-wing paramilitary mercenary company say. who could not integrate back. It basically was made up of soldiers who were like probably too shell-shocked to integrate back into normal life, and they were very right-wing. Sounds um, like a fun summer camp. Sounds like a Fry really Corps. fun summer camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Fry Corps were just made up of broken men who would have a big hand at shaping Nazi Germany. <laughs> Can't imagine. Hmm. <laughs> let's let's put these damaged gentlemen back into positions of power because mm. they don't have a bone to pick with anybody. Surely not. No. Well, it, it's also a time too where when you say political party, they also have like a pseudo street army that does stuff for them when needs to be done. Yeah, mm. that would become really apparent during like the world the build up to a uh, Nazi Germany in the like the the, uh, thir- the late twenties, early thirties, mm. where you would just have dudes like street fighting and shit. Yeah. At this oh, yeah. point, they're more like political clubs, almost like so- soccer clubs or drinking clubs, stuff like mm. that. Kind of, yeah. Like that's kind of like how informal the Fry Corps is, because at the same time they're a mercenary company, so they do have like backing by the state. But at the same time, like especially when we get to like other uh, revolutionary stuff that happens, uh, they just put out like calls to the street to come join. It's really strange. Wonk hooligans. <laughs> I mean, basically, I'm trying to except, think of what to call them. I don't. I, I'm thugs like, want I don't to apply within. Yeah, exactly. And then those thugs evolve stylistically and become brown shirts later. Yes. Nobody, oh, yeah. nobody has a job. Yeah. Nobody's got jobs. Exactly. Oh, you yeah, got time. Yeah. You got time. And you might have had a skill. Like maybe you were trained to do a very specific thing in the army. So you're really good at munitions. Okay. <laughs> you can make some stuff blow up. Fine. Work for yeah. us. And you miss it. That's the other thing. It's like, regardless of like the right wing ideology, I'm sure they did, like, I'm sure some people left the Fry Corps when shit got weird in the 30s. But like, it, a lot of these people were just like, oh, I have purpose again. Because <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. that's what veterans go through today. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Like, they miss it because that's all they know for so long. So these dudes were, were tasked to fight the quote, red menace, even though the right wing ideals at the time hated even the cover. They hated even the current socialist government. 
Oh, yeah. And they will later help assassinate uh, members of uh, later on. So basically, they're proto-Nazis at this point. Yeah. So anyway, back to the sexy communist sailors. Uh, During this mini-revolution that kind of just farted out, uh, they didn't really... They didn't really do anything. The sailors, they seized their their commander at the time when this was going on, but that was it. They just didn't want to mobilize, so they just, like, captured the dude. It was like, yeah, you just sit there, and uh, we're just going to hang out, which is what you do. Uh, They didn't mobilize or anything. Uh, Ebert saw this as a loyalty to the Sparsists and had their pay withheld. I was accused by, I love this, they were accused by the finance minister of stealing valuables from the Berlin Palace where they were stationed. (laughs) <laughs> okay petty theft okay what like staplers i don't know it's a palace so it's probably some pretty cool shit lying around diamond encrusted staplers like i don't know yeah why not fuck it yeah why like, does otto have that really really nice tennis bracelet like he's looking really good today yeah i mean like i don't put it past them but i mean they're they're sailors what do you what do you expect you're gonna complain and they're not getting paid so why Did not they have toilet paper yet Yes, they probably would have gotten the real good toilet paper out of there. Incredible toilet paper, like what the first place paper. I went. It's like just woven silk on a roll. <laughs> I mean, they're not getting paid. They got their paid fucking withheld. So, like, why not? Yeah, Steal no, shit. that's come on. It's compensation for yeah. services so that, rendered. Exactly. So that pay, plays into this. So the twenty third of December, after refusing to leave the Berlin Palace until they got their fucking pay, the Christmas battles began. As sailors Ooh, set up the fucking, Christmas battles. Yes, began. they set up fucking machine gun nests and took chairman of the SPD hostage. Okay, Frolische yeah. Weihnachten, bitches, like you do. <laughs> they, like, there's pictures of this. It's incredible looking. It's just dudes in sailor suits with like, because you know it's World War One. There's fucking machine guns everywhere. Just mm. setting up like machine gun positions and like by famous monuments and shit. Man. Oh, they cut all the telephone lines and detained the uh, government, essentially. Let me just say, politics and machine guns never go well together in the readings that I've done. Yeah. Uh, historically, no, but at the time, you're just having a great old time. Yeah. So yeah. E- Ebert, having made a secret pact with the army uh, for them to literally mobilize whenever he asked, sent in the military to uh, uh, storm the palace. Mm. 56 soldiers, including civilians, died, with the military unable to but to make the sailors move <laughs> I mean, uh, due terrible. to literally civilian armed support, literally like d- d- just people just showed up on the street with guns. Like, yo, we're, we're down for this. We don't know what revolution's going on, but we're here for it. No, no, I ain't got shit else to do, son. Let's go. <laughs> I haven't eaten in like three, like a month. Let's do this. We have three bullets that were saved on the bureau for this <laughs> very moment. <laughs> Basically it's very similar to a gang episode, right? Where everyone just, Hungry and angry and unwashed and just like ready to throw down because there's nothing else to do. Yeah, I, guess I don't the, know how I get when I'm hungry. Yeah, people just loot. love and those ba- sailors. Yeah, and like Skyrim, there's going to be loot. So, oh, yeah. like, get up. Loot. It's everything. a fucking palace, okay? If they call it a fucking palace, it go- there's going to be loot. There's going to be loot. You should storm it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I really hate these like royalist terms. They just rub me like, so at this point, Ebert's got like a coalition of the conservatives and the moderate socialists. He's got like the center off. socialist. That's his stance. But he also has like secret pacts with very right wing monarchist generals. Yeah. Mm. Like no, we know this now, but at the time, no one knew that he literally had the army at his beck and call. Oh, man. Like he's a weird dude. 
like seriously, ideolo- ideologically, like he must have really believed in whatever the fuck he believed in, but because he made he worked with some fucked up people. Mm. Where now? Where was I in this lovely story? Ebert's government uh, gave in, however, because they couldn't like move the sailors out of the palace. So it turns out machine guns work. So with the people native division being allowed to remain whole, literally, okay, here are the conditions that they agreed to. The Navy division was allowed to remain whole. Uh, They were to be absorbed into the army as an actual unit of the Mm. military. (laughs) And they got their fucking pay. Yeah, That's what I'm saying, man. Just pay them. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? They left the palace. Yeah, they replaced the the 56 guys they just murdered. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. But here's some drawbacks to this because it it's because comp- politics. Uh, this fractured the already fragile relationship between the SPD and the USPD. The USPD being, um, you know, the communists. Uh, the USPD having only been part, they were literally only part of the government like a few months. They threw them out. Oh, uh, they mm. would go to form the Communist Party proper at that point, mm. and then, and this is where like the insomnia, kind of like the weird bubble in your brain when you don't sleep for like multiple days kind of kicked in because it's literally just dot, dot, dot. Uh, 5th of January, 1919. A.K.A. the January Uprising. A.K.A. Bloody Week. Hmm. Sounds fun. Um, mm-hmm. Was this like a like a vacation package or did you have to like pay for each day separately? Like... <laughs> It's it was really a fun time and more of a timeshare situation because none of us actually own it. Fuck. Yes. Oh, uh, God. You're welcome. You know, I'm really glad I could have a professional do gay Nazi instead of me, like gay <laughs> German instead of me. I like, will tell you, I, I am not doing gay Nazi. I am just merely doing average Berliner in Weimar period. That is all I am doing. <laughs> all for you. <laughs> I can't wait till next episode because it's going to get gay as shit. Yeah, it's going to be uh, very good. You you have no ideas. <laughs> it's just, uh, that's, what, that's what I figured. Let's do the depressing shit first and then we can get to the other depressing shit, but there's drugs and gay there sex. There has to be a Kraftwerk song about this. Oh, there's yeah. Gotta be. Sure. <laughs> so so there's like a full-on week of political, it's a full-on year of political It doesn't stop. Fuckery, yeah, and then, it didn't stop. And then a week of bloody actions? Yes. This is again. This is like the bit no one fucking talks about. No one talks about these things. I guess if you're like a communist uh, comrade, like you're gonna fucking know this because there's a lot of martyrs in these stories. But it, beyond that, it's like in our history so books. Listen up, fellow travelers out there. <laughs> like no one talks about this shit. Like of what happened. So bloody week. The USPD and the uh, the USPD met to uh, try to figure out what to do now that they've been literally thrown out of government. Uh, they chose violence. <laughs> Karl Lepnik, uh, who spoke, hmm. who we, you know, Lipnish. God damn it, he spoke. He spoke yes, thank you. What he said. Uh, he I was in a. Fine, if you shout it and inflect enough, it doesn't really matter the pronunciation. <laughs> so like the entire oh, no. oh no! Oh <laughs> no! Uh, he he was doing a lot of shouting because he was quote in a revolutionary euphoria. Uh, by the size of the crowds gathered uh, uh, to the right of the government, and very, he was he was, he just loved the shit. He loved revolution. He was ready. He was down. Wet dreams of the Bolsheviks, man. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. However, he was in this euphoria largely because he was given false reports that the army was totally on his side. Oh. oh. Which was oh. not true. Yeah, he was totally, like, believing these reports. And I'm like, dude, like, they have a fry cork. <laughs> they're not on your side, man. I mean, maybe the sailors, maybe that's where he got it from, I imagine. Like, oh, shit, the sailors. Awesome. But I don't know. So Rosa Luxemburg, uh, the other leader of the USPD, seemed to be the only one calling for peace. Uh, I wish we could talk more. Like, Rosa Luxemburg was a naturalized German citizen of Polish Jewish descent. Uh, her life could be an entire episode by itself. Uh, she was an extremely complicated individual. Uh, she could be her own episode. But just know, like, she was one of the few, she, like, throughout the entirety of the war, she was calling for peace. Like, she's definitely a peace advocate and early, um, uh, early Leninist. Yeah, she was really she was pretty cool. So seventh yeah, January, wait, check the check the list of how many times that's worked. Yeah, it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. It, she's interesting because she she was a, a her politics were revolutionary, but she was also like kind of a pacifist. It's really weird. Yeah, I you know look, I get it. Right? I get it because like the fighting is horrible, and you would think that it would be apparent to everyone that that's apparent. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And they're like, hey, this is a bad idea. There's a lot less of us to show up at the cookouts now. What's up? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're not done yet because I, I don't know, tiny dick. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what motivates people to do this I can't this emphasize shit. enough how much toxic masculinity caused World War One. Yeah, nobody yeah. has the foresight. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's yeah. all foreskin and no foresight. Ayo. There it is. Jesus. That was terrible. Sorry. Oh. Mm. But, I tasted those words. Does that make sense? No. That was Ooh. gross. But now we're all thinking about it. Thanks for that. Mm. Yeah, you're welcome. Sure. 7th of January. <laughs> so we could move the fuck on. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sweating so much. 7th of January. Pull <laughs> <laughs> it together. Uh, so, and that's when it got fun. <laughs> We're in the lubed uh, portion of the uh, podcast. No, Please don't turn off the shirt. I'm with you here. I actually just I took my shirt off because I'm, I'm kind of I'm starting to get a little sweaty too. So oh, stay tuned for next week when it gets decidedly hot in here. <laughs> From the window to the wall. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I just uh, I just want to get to the part where gay soldiers just are having sex. That's all I want. We'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, spoiler alert, they're already doing that and have their adventures, my friend. So there you are. It's very true. always happened. This is very true. I just made a joke about fucking Otto in the trenches. Like, I know, I know. It's literally the probably least surprising thing that you'll ever hear. Yeah, Otto and Heinrich cannot quit each other, and it is a very committed relationship that the wives just do not understand. Wouldn't, couldn't. We're just good buddies. Uh, uh, so, so of okay, so the, the spurned communists are once again plotting violence because yes. what else do you do? So answering the call on the 7th of January, answering the call to seize the means of production, some 500,000 people uh, flooded the streets. Uh, they didn't, these people didn't fight or seize, but conducted peaceful protest, but were, re uh, but were ready to, uh, storm that to disarm the army if it came to that uh many waved banners with the slogan quote peace and unity because this is how fucking tired everybody is yeah you know you had you had a 
you had the worst war in human history at that point. And uh, just nonstop revolution. <laughs> I was going to do the Homer Simpson like. <laughs> yeah. The worst yeah. War in history so far. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this would not last. Unfortunately. Uh, the communication broke down and among the crowd, like everyone, revolutionaries were kind of like splintered throughout the car- crowd and just were like chomping at the bit for the order to conduct violence, violent revolution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stand, on the same stand day. Stand by. What? Stand down and stand by. What was that? Yeah. Stand but, back yeah. and stand by. Stand back and yeah. stand by. <laughs> no uh, modern parallels. The, Go on. Exactly. Uh, on the same day, Ebert selected commander with troops under his, under him all around Berlin. Uh, recruitment calls were, this is what I was talking about before, like literally recruitment calls were sent out for the Fry Corps for anyone with a soldier experience to uh, join. So basically you Muster, just had, like, I think is the word at that point. Yes, you just have a bunch mm-hmm. of dudes with like the worst PTSD you've ever seen. It's like, oh, I get to be a soldier again? Yes, please. Yep. Who are we fighting? I don't care. Here at home, you say, tell me more. Mm. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, a lot of these units were hostile to the, Repu- <laughs> to the Republic itself. Uh, yeah, they felt these... betrayed. They felt let down because, again, Hindenburg yep. and Ludendorff passed the buck. Exactly. Mm. Like a lot of them were, uh, some were monarchists, uh, imperials, or just right wingers. Honestly, mm. like, and a lot of their commanders, I can't emphasize enough how their commanders are at fault here. Like a lot of them are monarchists, or just straight up right wingers. Like that, that's the thing. It's like they're they're answering a call to protect a government they fucking hate. Well, it's. I mean, this is a. I mean, it's it's a symptom of the in any any instance of history. Mm-hmm. You're always. There's this group who want to be in control, but they need a strongman figurehead type thing. And, you know, whether it's a monarch or it's a blithering fucking mealy mouth rapist, you know, you're going to have like those followers. They're going to look to that. They're going to forgive them their faults because they're going to benefit from their you know proximity to them. And okay. they always have. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about more net in future episodes. But like, yeah, it, it, the government, it's like. Especially when we get to like night their golden nineteen twenties, it was like you literally had people in the <sighs> government who were just straight up monarchists who had who loathed democracy. Mm, yeah, and yeah. they're the ones who were like, like literally, not to talk about you know Adolf again, but like after his beer hall push, there was li- the judge who like you know he literally tried to take over the government. Yeah, mm. um, monarchists all over Europe feel aggrieved. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like literally the judge they had for his trial for trying to again take over the government was a monarchist and was sympathetic to uh, to him and gave him like mm. a slap on the wrist like you get an apartment in like a fortress and that's your yeah. prison cell can't imagine fortress arrest like- that is something i learned in, in doing some reading fortress arrest is a thing they used to have you yeah. you get fortress arrest you go live in a castle <laughs> yeah it's rich person prison yeah that, that's what they got. That's what he got. Yeah. yeah because and then literally, you get to write a whole bunch of uh, propaganda nonsense that you then <laughs> publish and have your cronies distribute. Mm. Yeah. That's the thing that kind of fucked me, uh, fucked my brain is like they never like perch, they never removed monarchists from their government for like all the way until like 1933 when, you know, these fucks took power. You just had these fuckers from like the old days, like I hate, like literally loathing the government. Tradition. Basically, Tradition. Yeah, I mean, I do too, but sure, but not because you. There's just the Kaiser, right? <laughs> well, it's very interesting yeah. to see the parallel here again with modern times, considering. Um, uh, okay, I watch a lot of Jordan Klepper footage of him interviewing these idiots at at Trump rallies <laughs> and what whatnot, and it's almost very good at this. every single one of them will say that they load the government 
that it's it's a mess, it's terrible, it's a sickness. But then that's the exact thing that they want to be a part of and want to, I mean, because it they're just mean I boys playing toy I want it to do trucks. those things. I don't mm. want it to do those things to me. Correct. Mm. I want to be in the power to oppress and on the side of the party to oppress. Not right. the, because if there's equal rights, I lose things. Correct. <laughs> that's, that is the yeah. word. That's the not quite how those things work. <sighs> to bring it back to like more of a leftist thing too, it's kind of like when you ask a communist why they want to be during the revolution, they all say cop. Mm. You know? Oof. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry I killed the mood right there, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's shit, man. I'm just going to hit mute and go for a walk. I'll be back. <laughs> 8th of January. The government urges citizens to resist uh, the insurgents even publishing a pamphlet titled, quote, uh, The Hour of Reckoning Approaches! Exclamation point. Oh, cool. I got a few books titled that. Oh, no. Well, similar. Again, this, is, this is the centralist, the cent- centrist socialist government telling the citizens to resist the communists. Yep. That Where they, they were actually just helping with... in the street like a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the same pamphlet, it threatened insurgents with death. <laughs> Well, it's uh, on the flip side. You can just get it cheaper if you print it on exactly. two sides. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, my God. That would be <laughs> the... I need that... There, that. That's a play. There is a printer, and he's friends with these two guys that don't like each other, and he's got limited supplies. He's like, look, I'll cut you a deal. <laughs> okay, let's you get... Gotta put them... A writer and a get... producer? Let's go. Let's workshop this let's thing. Let's go. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. That's a confusing pamphlet. Oh, man. It's I mean, a it Dr. Kind of makes... Seuss story, for fuck's sake. I mean, it literally like <laughs> writes itself in about... The inciting incident is probably over a pretzel. Probably. Just to make it racist. And then... Uh, I don't know. We get somebody so, to write songs. Anyway, moving on. So the government anyway. says, Nina Kleine Communista. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something. Yeah, no no little communists. Okay, great. Exactly. Okay. Great. Okay. Uh, 9th of January. The USPD and the other uh, other communist party, the KPD, urge citizens and revolutionaries to, to fight, quote, the Judas in the government. Ah. Uh, row. Wait, the uh, Judas or Judases? Judases, Judas. Judas. No, it, it's like Judas. Judah, like the, you know, the dude who betrayed Christ. I see. Oh, Judas. I thought that was Judas. That was Judas. Yeah. Judah. Yeah. 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 Judo. Judo. Fight with Judo? What? <laughs> Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. All right. Exactly. We're doing it. Totally film. Film. <laughs> <laughs> the whole of working class people did acknowledge a general strike, but were tired of the violence and military action. Uh, the general mood was that people wanted the two socialists. I love this too. Like literally the general mood was like, they wanted the two types of socialists to come together again. They literally wanted just a whole government and have all of these like communist socialist parties, hmm. like talk to each other. We are the world. <laughs> yes, we are very different. However, we can be civil to one another, uh, but uh, stop hitting me in the face. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much like, I think also under uh, at this time underlying the the communist obstinacy, it's uh, the the common turn, which is linked to the communist party, if I'm not mistaken, 
in Germany at the time is getting directives from Moscow, from Stalin, saying, uh, don't, don't cooperate. Don't cooperate. Yeah. Weird. We can't even yeah. imagine a parallel. <laughs> no so modern people, parallel there. Anyway. Yeah. So the people protested the leadership of literally both sides of this conflict, wanting the uh, leaders responsible of, quote, uh, fret- fratricide brought to justice. Uh, people knew the, that the Ebert government and Leib- Lipstick Soviet dream was fucking them over. Literally the conflict, because this, they were just fighting each other and they were drawn into the conflict. They actively made it known that they wanted a united socialist government where all the types of socialists had a place. But a peaceful resolution was literally impossible. Mm. Between January I mean, 10th... Most mm-hmm. of my friends are kind of like leftist socialists and none of them get along. So this makes yeah, that's perfectly. The curse perfect. of the left is that they cannot stop infighting long enough to do anything against the right. And the blessing of the mm. right is everyone can agree on hate. Yeah, yeah. it's a big problem. Yeah. It's a massive problem. Yeah, because yeah. it turns out like that's hate is really easy. It turns out and doing socialism is hard. I saw Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he got those ideas from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. kind of weird. weird, weird. It's almost like those movies are actually about something. Trenches, stormtroopers, weird. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Between January 10th and 11th, uh, Freikorps forces attacked Sparsis' HQs and pushed them out of uh, the newspaper district because they had originally like stormed the newspapers, which, you know, revolutionary action makes sense. Uh, the communists were not prepared for a straight fight with, you know, PTSD-addled right-wingers. Uh, the Volvist newspaper building was retaken with flamethrowers, machine guns, mortars, and artillery. That's metal. Well, I mean, they they take something back with them from the war, you know. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. like many revolutionaries surrendered outright as the newspaper di- district was swept. Uh, many included an unknown number of civilians. Uh, Flamethrower, okay. one print shop, and the rest of them will fall in line, buddy. <laughs> well, many of the people who surrendered, including civilians, were just executed on the spot. Uh, some being brought to barracks, then shot. Mm, that's that's dirty pool. Yeah, shoot me on the street. Don't make me walk, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm yes, gonna sir. get a bullet, yeah, don't just get it over with. And in fact, I'll, I'll if I can't get away, I'll offer like a good spot. You know what I mean? So you just get it over <laughs> with because I don't. It, it, yeah, there's a lot of these fucking street executions. We don't know if they were ordained by the government or not. Like we'll find out later that like because you know being shot for treason and treason is a very loose term was pretty common. Especially during the war, uh, the death tolls were, were they 100... ever like just like shot to death over like maybe a brake light is out on their car? Oh, uh, no doubt. No sure, doubt. or maybe expired registration, or perhaps Absolutely. just suspicion. Mm-hmm. Mm, wondering. I'm sure. It, it seems like the barrier to entry for murder back then was a little higher. Well, that's part you of know? the thing that's got everybody so frustrated is the, the government's claiming special powers to be to be to do all this stuff. Yeah, like, oh, this is yeah. this emergency situation. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and send these fry commando psychos into the uh, print district to uh, you know literal stop the mercenaries. Weird. Yeah, it's, it's nothing like post nine eleven America. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the death toll was one hundred and fifty six, with only thirteen soldiers killed. Uh, wow. January. Yeah. That's What's Vietnam that KDR? numbers? Oh, it gets worse. Uh, January thirteenth. Freikorps troops, including uh, the soon-to-be-dissolved Prussian uh, Guard Cavalry Division, swept into Berlin. Uh, newspaper- they swept into the Berlin newspaper district. And- 
they were called heroes restoring peace and order in, in a, oh, uh, newspapers published like, oh, these, this conquering army, they're restoring peace and order. They, you know, this again, like they didn't have free press. It was all propaganda. Uh, they carried out the worst violence than the leftists did. Like literally like they're being lauded as heroes, but like they did way more violence than the revolutionaries did. <laughs> they did way more damage. They killed more civilians. Uh, what's sure the- that wasn't Antifa. Fuck. Sure, it wasn't a false flag. Oh God! Hmm. So they killed more civilians uh, than oh, the leftists. Weird. Yeah. Cool. You can't keep doing this joke. Yeah. <laughs> I. Right. I mean. I mean. I know. I know. Yeah. So you're probably asking, what are the what are the sexy navy? What is the sexy navy doing? Sexy uh, commie navy. Yeah. Uh, on March 5th, the remnants of the division were sent to a uh, relief troop station in, poli- in a police precinct uh, because, again, remember, they're part of the military now. Yeah. Uh, the troops in- inside mistook them for rebels and started shooting at them. Oh, fuck. The sailors fired back, said fuck it, and then joined the insurgents. I was going to say, that sounds put up. Are they yeah. still they in their first. cute red outfits? Insurgents. We have to ask that question. Uh, that army, that army unit was pissed. Uh, well, and... the pictures are black and white. I haven't actually. I actually don't know what their uniforms look like in color. Mm. Oh, so but somehow we can figure somehow. this out. Okay, their research project. Their, uh, well, their theme music is definitely disco with some wah guitar. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that because in the later on, when like when get when homosexual culture kind of like develops a little bit more, yeah. Uh, yeah. A pantsless sailor suit becomes like the real indicator of uh, you're down. What? Hold on. Things have changed so little. Mm-hmm. What? I mean, where do you think they came Pants. from? What? I mean, they're just walking. Sure, why not? Meet out. And they've just got a shirt on. Yeah, why I have mean, shirt this is, you also have to remember this is Europe and I think, not the puritanical United States. Yes. Right. So yeah, no, nudity is a lot more ourselves. commonplace, even in a okay. sexualized situation. But I'm I'm thinking about like even okay so with all the modern technology we now have these uh, uh, underwear that have a ball sack like a sack for your balls right mm-hmm. and all I'm thinking of is how many times I'd be sitting on my balls then and I'm <laughs> thinking about if I didn't have any of that you know if I didn't have boxer briefs keeping everything tight so that when I sit down I don't sit on my balls what if I'm in say my late 40s and everything sags a little more and I have no pants on and then I sit down on something hot on the deck of a ship and it not only crushes them but burns them. I'm just thinking for protection reasons. They don't have any I pants. Don't, you not, just got to police have, that shit, my friend. I have a lot I could say about this subject, but I am I mean, not, not get, engaging not in this tangent. Pants. No, they're, they're not actually on the boat. Let, let's just not, let's just oh, get that out. Okay. No, I'm saying all that right, because right. this is for sexy yeah. time only. This is for sexy yeah, time. Yeah, agree with it. Okay, I'm not going. So you knew who was a twink when they were wearing an out when a navy outfit. You know, hey, look, that's the next episode. Anyway, in March, getting ahead of ourselves. Getting ahead of ourselves again. I really want to talk about that more than this because this is just fucking depressing but anyway uh, <laughs> That's anyway the, carry on anyways the people's navy joins the insurgents uh yeah. In, march, yeah in march 1919 when going to pick up their back pay however uh they were rounded up by the same fry corps unit uh that stormed the newspaper district and killed all those people under direct orders of the reich defense minister uh they had Okay, I know it's like old timey, and they probably did this during World War One, but I had never really heard of this really happening. 
they had the unit decimated where they had huh. every 10th guy shot. Yeah. What? That's what they draw straws. That's. Yeah. I, don't, I have no. not heard of that in the modern. Yeah. No, sense. no, I hadn't heard yeah. of that one. And then, mm. and then you guys uh, weren't boy scouts in antiquity. Sure. Just, I didn't know that. Yeah. I never heard of that before happening in like the 20th century. Like, yeah, sure happened, decimated but... by, like we have to reduce them by 10%. Just that as a punishment. Interesting. That's we fed the numbers into the adding machine. And How do you this do is that? what we came up with. I guess, uh, like, it, like exactly as a punishment, because like the Volks Marine Division uh, was officially disbanded. Then uh, there's apparently memorials for them to this day. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I never heard. Of, just I never heard exile of that. them. You know, yeah, like I, I never I heard guess, of that before. I guess because they were part of the army and because start they walking the French, insurgents. You know, I don't know. I never heard of that before. It was really strange. And fucked it profoundly fucked up. Let this be I'm a lesson saying, to the other nine of you. You know, those uh, dudes just what? went back into circulation and they're sure going to join they one yeah. of these street gangs in the next period of history that's coming up. But yeah, exactly. I'm getting so, ahead of ourselves again. Uh, yeah. So the Sparsis revolt was crushed and its leaders went into hiding. Uh, despite urging to get the fuck out of Berlin, Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Lepschneck hid in the city among, among, uh, Promises that, that the government, uh, basically the, in newspapers, the government was saying, yeah, we're totally going to get these people. Uh, 15th of January, the apartment the two were hiding in from a friend was found, most likely by, by old-timey phone surveillance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's amazing. It's literally a dude with like two little alligator clips on a wire, and it's just yeah, they tell modern political history of the last you know uh, uh, century or so. Phone surveillance plays such a crucial role that no one admits or no one talks. Mm-hmm. About. Oh, sure, it's yeah, really absolutely. scary. Violating your privacy—it's helped mm-hmm. the government so much. Also, congratulations—you have a phone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the dude was a doctor, so like he had money. But anyway. And a lot less phones back then to be moderate, but yes, true. Anyhow, right. yeah, it, was unfor- it, was, it was really unfortunate. They stayed. You could check them in three minutes. You could be like, oh, fuck. No, not this one. Not this one. Oh, there he is. <laughs> uh, so we joke, but like uh, they were taken to the Eden Hotel. Uh, they were tortured, beaten, and then later shot in the head in vehicles because they wanted to try and make it look like an assassina- assassination. No, I heard oh, the Eden so Hotel specializes them? in that. I was going to say they didn't kill them at the Eden Hotel. No, they they beat the shit out of them, put them unconscious into like different cars, and then just they took them to a place, put a gun to their head, blew their brains out, and then dumped they dumped Rosa into a river, and then they dumped uh, Carl's body into just brought it to a morgue as unidentified male. Oof, that's what you call the well, old Friedrichstrasse turndown service. Yeah, we we actually wouldn't know Ebert had a direct hand in this until 1968 when someone who actually worked in his office went on a talk show and Siskel. What was it? Siskel did it. (laughs) Like this person admitted, like yeah, he that he walked into a room and Ebert was on the phone with the commanders. That's fucked up. Okay, yeah, that's so that's how we know that Ebert actually had gave the blessing for this to happen. Jeez. Uh, their killing called nationwide. Their killing caused nationwide unrest that was swiftly crushed. Uh, little Soviet republics were also crushed because at the time, again, no one talks about this. Little like people's governments were formed in parts of Germany, and we're like, "Yeah, fuck you, we're Soviets." Yeah, because uh, they were only very recently like a one quote unquote cohesive people. They still were not, you know. Yeah, and especially if all just like been the, absorbed. The Prussia Soviet, was absorbed. Like, 
Well, it follows like revolutionary doctrine, right? It's like, no, like kind of like when like anarchists try and make like autonomous zones or something where it's like, no, this is, uh, this is yeah. a, the Soviet Republic yeah. of blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, they cr- essentially they crushed the one year old Bavarian Soviet Republic, which was, it resulted in 5,000 deaths. Oof. Oh man. One year yeah. too, man. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, no more pretzels. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Ebert okayed the killings. Like I said, uh, he got everything he ever wanted and would be the president of Germany till his death in 1925. Mm. Uh, the left's leadership was essentially decapitated. It would never recover in any meaningful way. Mm. Uh, the USPD would become a partisans group during World War II, and they killed some Nazis, and would uh, exist as a political party until their abolishment in 1956. Mm. Uh, I imagine when Germany, be- when Germany became, half of Germany became Soviet, I don't know how much they enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. yeah because yeah. again history is a motherfucker so like all these people like are trying to be soviet but at the same time you know history you know we have hindsight of history uh we know that doesn't really go to good places because power hungry assholes ruin everything yeah again i was i wish all these soviet Every countries, time. i wish all these communist countries did some communism you know what i mean like <laughs> Yeah, some actual. So with yeah, the weekend, it just seemed like you're getting a bag of Starburst, and each Starburst is a different cover. You know, they, like you got a pink one, you got a green one, whatever, orange one, whatever. But they all taste the same <laughs> because they're all capitalism. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Literally, <laughs> all of them. You know, it's they're all doing it. It's just on the level at which they're doing it. Despotic yeah. yeah. capitalism, or kleptocratic capitalism, or colonial capitalism it's all or centrists yeah. again well that's yeah. another thing too is capitalism uh in our next episode we get to talk about like capitalism in germany for the first time ever like mm. which leads to some interesting places but like again like you know a centrist socialist government did all this you know mm. led by like one dude who got everything he wanted <laughs> so like i don't know as an anarchist as an anarchist you know governments mm. are kind of a motherfucker yeah so with the leak weakening of the left and right-wing shitheads uh, growing in power, Ebert is rightly blamed for uh, paving the way for a rise of Nazi Germany because he mm. just murdered every, he just killed any meaningful resistance, and all the shitheads were in power. And corroborated with the with the fascist, with the proto fascist, with the the conservative right, corroborated with the conservative. Oh yeah, right. he could he collaborated with anybody if it meant he could like remain in power. Like he, it sucks too because he died of natural causes. <laughs> like he didn't even get to see like the end result of what he did because he died in nineteen twenty five. Do you know what he died of specifically, though? It might uh, yeah, it was gnarly. too much radium in his mustache wax. Uh, there you that go. Radithor, that'll get you every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, no, fuck him. So 28th of June, <laughs> uh, the Treaty of Versailles is signed. Literally nobody in Germany liked it. Mm. Literally no one. Uh, Philip Shetterman. out great, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No spoilers. Uh, Philip Shetterman, uh, the one of the one, the literally one of the men who proclaimed the republic, uh, he resigned and uh, fucked off to be mayor of his hometown. And so he switched. He basically went to small politics because he's like, okay, I'm clearly not in line with my political party. Uh, the only one who accepted it were those who understood peace needed to happen no matter fucking what. Uh, the German people were literally starving to death due to uh, trade blockades that were still in place. Germany had promised to pay reparations to the Allies over the span of year, uh, 42 years. Uh, many people who previously had no stake in loss of German colonies uh, 
like abroad a big thing they lost is like their colonies and a lot of people like regular folk who had zero interest of this or the loss of wealth among uh, demagogues suddenly responded to quote the stabbed in the back rhetoric Hmm. calling the ones in power who signed it who signed the treaty quote the november criminals and with no meaningful left this would fester into the nazis yep but for now it is 1919 every Mm -hmm. night was new year's eve Cocaine, morphine, and opium balls were sold on street corners. Prostitution was mostly legal. The only two things Germany's new new government seemed to care about is for people to please stop fishing in rivers and lakes with hand grenades and naked dancing. Okay. Yeah, no, legit. And what was the second one? Naked dancing. At all? Uh, like- and this is where we will pick back up. Well, <laughs> where, where, what, so what's the Navy doing? They're dead. They're fucked. They're happy. Oh, I was hoping because they're not walking around with their pants out. And like, oh, no, no. We're, we're, we'll get there. That becomes the uniform okay. of uh, gay twinks in all over Germany because, uh, you know, why are you going to wear Like, is it is it literally like the top of the sailor's uniform fully done up and then just. Yeah, I got pictures. Fuck. No. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm like, literally, this is new to me. This is like one of those things where I'm just like, well, this sounds like a thing that would exist, but I feel yeah. like Throw them up in the Discord. Throw them up. Sometimes even with sock garters, if you're being extra shika. <sighs> what are now are they wearing sandals or are they wearing shoes? Oh, that, it shoes depends on the guy, but usually it's shoes. Or, yes. or a leather stiefel, which is a, a leather boot, if you're into it. All right, we'll talk All about right. we're going to talk. A, we're going to talk a lot about Dominas and boots and what that means and the yeah, different colors gotta, of yeah, boots. We got a, a few months of Halloween. Um, just looking for ideas. It's going to be a very fetish-heavy episode. Zamka, uh, uh, but a, yeah, a welcome was... departure from Frycore <laughs> Wall dances. Yeah, <laughs> so now we get to next episode. We're going to talk about what the first thing that comes to everyone's mind when they think of Weimar. But I felt that it was really important to just talk about everything we talked about because it's like, how is this civilization not trauma? Like the most traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know why they get up to what they get up to. Well, I mean, this is what's going on in, in the day daily in their daily life. And you don't know every part of this either. And you got to read like 10 different newspapers to understand what's happening, but then no people who really know what's happening to tell you about yeah. what's happening. It's just, it's so just scary. That's like about. focused on this one thing, because it's like, in my mind, when I think of everything was just spoke, spoke about, that's Weimar. That is the time period. But technically, it's not, and no one likes to talk about it unless they're talking about like communism and the history of communism, which which I didn't know. This was a hole for me. I fell into this like, yeah, I'll write this episode. I'm ready. I'm like, let's do it. And then like, let's talk about sexy shit. And then I fall in a hole and I'm like, but I got to talk about this first because it explains why everyone is just devastated and horny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the great debauchery yeah. and the great beauty comes from the great misery that everyone yeah. just experienced. Because it produces right. some of the most incredible fucking art, yeah. and the most like expressionism is like a fledgling field during this the time period, like nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen. Even during yeah. um, Wilhelm's realm, like expressionism is kicking off, and then you have mm-hmm. so many art movements and so many things, and then the war happened, and you have Otto Dix doing paint paintings, and like I really, mm-hmm. I really like that artist. Uh, like, it's amazing doing. He's amazing. Yeah. He really is. We'll talk about him later on. But like, it's like it, it explains so much of all this unrest that happened. And like, you had this war that lasted for so long, and then you had like just nonstop revolution for like a year and a half. Whenever mm. socialist governments try to make governing, you know, bearable, Soviets always fuck it up, and they always have to work and get their hands dirty with the right. 
Mm. Well, even like is my experience of European politics anyway. Well, sure, mm. but even Ebert is like head of a centrist socialist government. And again, like I said before, it's like as Americans, we hear socialists and get excited for like decent fucking policy. And to Ebert's credit, he did do a lot of good pol- policy that sounds very modern by our mm. standards. But well, at the by, same time, he was a power hungry asshole. Yeah. By 1924, do, Germany had had like a, a bounce up in their economy due to being able to quell this shit and get stuff going. It was yeah. right. bottomed out at like 1918. Again, but. he believed in what he believed in. What it, If it was right, I really don't think so. I think it was a lot of it was for himself or he just, again, had a philosophy that I just don't understand. But like, I don't know. Maybe he's like, hey, if I do cool shit, they'll let me get away with this other cool shit that I like want. I mean, he must have been because, like, there was, I mean, besides murder and, like, human trafficking, there was a, you could get a, you could, a lot of shit was legal in the 1920s yeah. in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Few yeah. the sailors. See? Mm. I'm just, I just remember the first time I read the word Weimar, Weimar, I, I was young. I was, like, 12 or 13, and I thought it was Wiener. Mm-hmm. And I thought that for, like, literally, ten, I'm not lying, for, like, 10 fucking years. The Wiener Republic. Until, I, well, I never heard anyone say it. And I didn't, I didn't read any books on it, but when it, it would come up every so often and stuff, and I would just look at it like, the Wiener Republic, what was that like? And I, what I'm trying to say is I've learned something today. And oh, I'm um, glad. It was painful. It was, this, this was very painful to work, work my brain around. Oh, I feel you. Sure. I feel you. Yeah. 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 Well, anytime you start looking into the history of this stuff, you're immediately struck, struck by how, how much you how many parallels you see today, which is already alarming. And mm. then, you just see these patterns again and again, and it just gets so depressing. <laughs> well, dude, I'm going to make a lot of parallels between the level of prostitution next episode and like OnlyFans today because everyone's mm. just fucking broke and needs money. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your body is a resource. So, yeah, like and we're so puritanical here. It, you know, it adds that like allure to it of the thing you can't have. Yeah, you know? I feel that's kind of a hindrance, though, in me, like in as an American trying to research it because it's like <laughs> True. you're. Especially because, like, one of my sources just straight tabloid shit. But, like, I right, kind of need yeah. that because so was Gangs of New York. But, you know. But, yeah, yeah Eric, thank I you mean, for coming on. I hope that um, – I hope th- – thank you for your input. I hope this wasn't, like – I'm really excited to hear your input for the next few episodes. <laughs> no, this was great. I'm, I I really appreciate being part of this series because it's a time period that I, I care very passionately about. And just as uh, Zero had said, there's, there's too many modern parallels – to ignore oh, man. and mm-hmm. uh, in the vein of knowing your history and trying not to repeat it. Uh, I, I really appreciate y'all bringing this up, even though this is absolutely miserable stuff to talk about. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to the fun stuff next week. We will. Yes. And you, like, Try to keep it what, jolly. And if you're wondering why are we talking about this on a cyberpunk podcast, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like Metropolis how many parts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you heard of Art Deco? Um, yes. You know, it's yeah. There's so much history like bleeds into this stuff, and got to talk about. There's so much you can extract from it. You know, it's it could be a single incident over the course of one of these riots. You know what I mean? You could tell a story about somebody doing something yeah. during it. You know, it's there, and then you modernize it and give everybody razor fingernails and shit. Pretty much. Uh, well. Yeah, yes. that's all I got for this one. Fantastic. Uh, good uh, luck, sir. Before we cu- cut out here, Eric, again, tell us where we can, where people can find you, can see your work. Uh, podcast is Atlanta Opera. 
That is correct. Podcast. That is correct. And the name of the podcast is Come As You Are. Yeah, you can find the rest of my work at my Instagram, which is Opergeist, spelled O-P-E-R-G-E-I-S-T. And you'll see a smattering of my theater and uh, costume festival work. Um, you'll also see some of my publication work. I've done a couple of comic books available. Yeah, at, tell us about the comic book. Yeah, I've, I've done a couple of things available at strangereflectiondesign.com. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was checking out your Instagram, man. That's hell, hell of a work, hell of a job. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate Seriously. that. Thanks. That's yeah. a- I wish I wore, I, I'm a jeans and t-shirt guy. And part of uh, the thing that's been slowly rubbing off on me since we started this project is the idea that I need to get some drip. And, um, <laughs> but like my whole thing has been about just being invisible in the crowd. Like I'm cool with that. Sure. Cause I don't get fucked. With. Well, I do like to and tell I, people that uh, a lot of my, uh, post-apocalyptic stuff is made out of denim. So, uh, oh. if you're doing the t-shirt guy, you'll be used to this fabric. I'm in. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I got the, yeah. All right, cool. We'll talk. Yeah. Right um, on. I will definitely. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks for caving on. This was, this was a riot. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, we, you know where we are on the internet. You just look up, uh, let's see neon dystopia, go to patreon.com uh, slash neon dystopia. If you want to drop us a book, yes. you don't have to, it's just, it'd be nice. Yep. Um, if yeah, you enjoy the dulcet tones of our voice, gentle listener, then Indeed. do drop a coin. Uh, right. Uh, there's a the L0WL1F3 is on various social medias, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and for not much longer, Twitter. So, you know. <laughs> uh, sure you find us for the Discord, too. Oh, yes. And there will be a Discord link in the uh, description, um, as well as whatever else I can yes. remember to put in the description. I think the of all the is- socials, we are the most active on the Discord. Yes, yeah, that was, yeah. was going to say the Discord is like the best place to say updated on things. You just hang out with everybody right, compared to yeah. all the other social media sites because we loathe them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we, you know, we use the other ones as basically like uh, popping a flare. Yeah. And then we have the fun in the Discord. So, um, yeah. Yep, yep. Come on out. Hang out. Um, once again, uh, awkward ending. System optimization is less than normal. Server damage detected. Please stop whatever you are doing and make your way to the nearest exit. Technical support is all heat. Please vacate the area. I repeat. Please leave. Are you even listening to me? I will save you. Error. Server block 3 is experiencing critical ignition. System failure imminent. I hope you are proud of yourself. Initiating the Low Life Podcast.